Monday, March 6th, a new week begins, and we welcome you to this hour of Flames Talk. Wes Gilbertson of Post Media and Steinberg along with you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. And, um, well, the nightmare that has been the 2022-23 Calgary Flames season um, just continued on Saturday. And, I don't know, listen to this. Because I'll, I'll just throw these out rhetorically. Was was that the Flames waving the white flag? Was that the indication that they've run out of belief? Was it just a really bad night? Listen to the final call. Listen to how Wilsey describes it. And it's not so much what Derek's saying. It's more what's in the background. Ten seconds to play in the third as Flano gets the puck in deep. The chorus of boos, the horn will sound, and that will do it. The Wilds stretch their winning streak to four, and their point. Yep, that was not pretty. It was as loud as the buzzer. Yeah, and it got louder as, uh, God bless the event staff, tried to crank the music up, just tone it down a little bit, which I get. Then it got louder. That was unquestionably their worst game of the season. And they've had some absolute stinkers. Like I think about Chicago at home. I think about Detroit at home. I think about Columbus on the road. Like they have had some ugly ass games this year. And that one has to take the cake for number one. And that might be because you came in while I was doing Flames Talk post game on, on Saturday night, you came in, we were like trying to rack our brains. When's the last time the Flames had an outing at the Scotiabank Saddledome that flat, that listless, that uninspired, and that unwatchable. Because that's it was all a, of those words oh, applied. It was a horrible hockey game. And credit Minnesota. They love, they're, they, if they're listening to this right now, Dean Evanson is like, you're damn right. It was a horrible hockey game. That's exactly what we wanted to do on the road. And give them credit. They played a perfect road game. Almost doesn't matter because the, the Flames needed to show more than they did against the team playing a really good road game. And, and that's the... I'm sure most frustrating part for the fans. And that's why we heard the booze is, is not just the way they performed, but we keep hearing about, okay, this is a must win. We keep hearing about urgency, but they're not showing it. Like the talk has been cheap so far from yep. these Calgary flames, as it relates to their predicament in the standings. And that night for your facing one of the teams that you're chasing. Now, I don't think that was one that you were realistically going to catch anyways, but you, you're you starting now, this. Remember remember when Minnesota was the team? You're like, not zero very long in the ago. wild. Yeah. No, it's a, and I was one of those people. I'm like, yeah, Minnesota does nothing for me. And there was like, okay, well, they're five back. They got two with them still. It's 11 now. Yeah. And if you can't summon some energy and some emotion for that game. Yep. I just don't know what it's going to take. Well, I'll credit a couple players, the the players who came out and spoke post game on Saturday night, and they were asked directly about the response on the way off the ice, starting with Milan Lucic, uh, as uh, our buddy Eric asked the question. Milan, when you hear the fans booing, do you blame them? No, I mean, you know, they they probably felt the same energy. Or the lack of energy, like that we played with, so need to need to be better. And uh, Rasmus Anderson as well. You understand it. It's a passionate fan base, and um, and it's obviously it's it's tough for us. And uh, but you know you understand that we we haven't been very good lately. And um, you know if that's how they feel, uh, you know it's. Uh, we'll, we'll, everyone in this team just gotta look ourselves in the mirror from. You know, it's at all 23 players, so let's got to look yourself in the mirror. We can't go blaming anyone else, and uh, you know, I, I got to be better. You know, everyone's got to be, everyone's got to be better, and um, you, you can't look around you. You just got to look at yourself, and uh, 
and we're at that point right now when you really need to look yourself in the mirror and you gotta find you gotta find your game more good at and uh, contribute contribute more to the team and uh, it's not one player it's on 23 guys that was uh, Rasmus Anderson also Milan Lucic you heard from their post game on Saturday and you know I, I give I give Rasmus some credit for for coming out and and using the strong terminology that he did about looking yourself in the mirror and and all of what went into it. Look, I mean, I don't know. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They've got a a, a steeper climb every day. It feels like, and uh, I know they've got a relatively easy schedule from here until the end of the year. But it's still a lot to make up and a lot to ask to close down the gap that they got to close here. But at least play with a little bit more pride than what we saw on Saturday night. That that's that's if you're a fan of this team, if you're a season ticket holder, if you're a ticket buyer, if you're somebody who spends their hard-earned money to go, you you got to you got to get something more than what you saw on Saturday as part of what has been just an extremely disappointing season. That is the absolute least that you could reasonably ask for from this yep. group is to show some jam in these games. And I expect them to show some jam in the games, even when they are out, but especially now it's one thing for us to sit here, you know, for us to sit there, say before that Minnesota game and say, you know, they're in trouble. This is a steep climb and they've been telling us it's a steep climb, but for them to look like they've checked out of the playoff race when there are a handful of points out with 20 games to go is unacceptable quite frankly the third player we heard from and you you just played Raz and Milan Lucic the third player we heard from in the locker room on Saturday night was Tyler Foley and I loved the word he used when he was asked about the booing he said it was warranted yeah and absolutely it was and the other comment that Toffoli made is that we're letting the fans down and we're letting ourselves down and that is absolutely accurate yet to come at the end of that two and a half hour slop fest is kind of hollow. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to come out after and say, we need to look ourselves in the mirror. And I'm not criticizing what Rasmus Anderson said, because I actually thought that was a, I thought that was a real indication of what a leader Rasmus Anderson has become in that locker room to be standing there saying what he was. And yet the part where you look yourselves in the mirror should have happened already. That's the part that I can't wrap my head around from Saturday night. Well, and I, cause, cause you're right. It's, it's, and I know that the situation isn't great and, and Winnipeg had picked up points and, and extended the gap. And now you're chasing Colorado for the final playoff spot. And the out of town scoreboard hasn't been your friend. A, you've put yourself in a, you're only looking at the out of town scoreboard because you've been extremely underwhelming this year. You're only worried about what's happening on the out of town scoreboard because you have failed miserably to live up to even the, the most reasonable expectations this year. The Winnipeg jets just went three, six and one in their last 10 and gained and you made up zero ground. So unless you're watching the out-of-town scoreboard hoping that a team's going to fold and you'll automatically get bumped up a position, which now that they're in 10th, you'd probably need a second team to fold. But if that's the point you're at, you're in worse trouble than we thought. Yep. Um, And I don't... What I worry about is the fact that it happened on home ice in a game where you're still fighting for your playoff lives... We all know, like on the outside, we can all sit here and say it's unlikely they make the playoffs. Of course we can. We all see how difficult it is to be that far back. We all know what history suggests with three-point games and everybody playing everybody. And you've got good teams in front of you. Like to track down teams, and at, 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 um, at the time of the game, I guess it was seven, but you could have closed it to five or four, depending on what team you're, you're looking at. We all know the climb is difficult. We all know it's not going to be easy, but that doesn't like you still expect to see some desperation and some urgency and you still expect the the effort and and the urgency level to be where it needs to be and then it's not like that that's concerning in your 63rd game of the season. And and 
Listen to so Nikita Zadorov was our. I think we got him. Let's see if I can find the um, the final time on our chat with Zadorov. Uh, so Nikita Zadorov joined us live right after the game for fifty nine seconds. Uh, that was four questions in fifty nine seconds, and that's not that's not being critical of Nikita at all. Sounds like a Yerky Yoki Paka interview. <laughs> no, that that one maybe was that, that's. I think they're different scenarios. I I appreciate Zadorov and and him. A, not wanted to do the interview, because why would you? B, being very blunt, but not being very effusive. I get it. Just uh, here's here's nine seconds of Nikita when I asked him. Basically, I said, what did you have to do more of, and why did it go the way it did? We weren't engaged today. No energy, no speed, nothing. So there's the result. Any, uh, any idea why that might have been? Nope. Don't Good like question. A man, Fair a man question. Of, a man of very few words in that situation, and yet those eleven or twelve words that he gave us said a lot. And and even strip away the standings for a minute. Strip away the the playoff predicament or, or the race that they've so quickly faded from. Wouldn't you expect just to see some urgency to end a four game losing streak? Yeah, shouldn't that be enough for? a group of professional athletes to crank the give a hoot meter a little bit on Saturday night. It really should. And this isn't, it's, it's easy for us to sit here and criticize today. It's, it's absolutely fair and deserved. Just like the booze were the other night. I don't think that we've seen a ton of games where there's just been nothing in the tank. And and I don't say that from a fatigue standpoint as much as uh, they they just didn't. There was nothing. Yeah, they didn't piss a drop the other yep. night, as the old saying goes. Yep. And and I'm not sure that's been a recurring theme. It's been more a lack of saves and goals and a bunch of other things. But but Saturday was a night that it was inexcusable, and they absolutely deserve the reaction they got from the home fans, and they deserve the beating that they're taking since because that that was just an unacceptable performance from the Calgary Flames. And what I worry about is that prior to Saturday, it had been 62 games of a generally frustrating body of work from this team, a body of work that has failed to live up to, and, and not Wes's expectations, not my expectations, not, you know, Jimmy on the text line. And if there is a Jimmy, I, I, I don't think there is. We've never had a Jimmy that's texted in, so that's why I chose that name. But Jimmy on the text line or Bobby on Twitter or whatever, not none of our expectations, they had high internal expectations. You remember September. You remember the excitement in that locker room and how we were talking about, man, there is a buzz. And this team, you know, players know when they've got a good team. Players know when they've got a a, a, a chance to do something. They've failed miserably to live up to their own internal expectations, to play consistently, to keep pucks out of the net, like the, the to to play the brand of checking hockey that makes Daryl Sutter's team so difficult to play against. They failed at all of that over 62. And then to do that in game 63, that's what worries me because they've got 19 games to prove my worry wrong or unfounded, but I worry that that's a team that was like, we're waving the white flag, like enough already, uncle. I worry about that. I worry about a team that has, I don't want to say given up, but has lost belief and lost hope, lost um, that kind of, hey, we're still on the fight feel. I worry about all that after a game like what we saw on Saturday because the timing of it, the way they played, the body language coming off the bench, going to the locker room, what we heard from them in the locker room afterwards, it it feels, and you can make a really good case, like they're they're a defeated group right now. And with 19 games to go, that's pretty scary. And and so, I hope that that's wrong. And I hope that this two games on the road, Dallas and Minnesota, good teams, maybe uh, some new line combinations, whatever the case may be, maybe you can give them a jolt. So that's not what they are. But yeah, that's that's my worry. And. If I'm a Flames fan and I'm looking at 19 more games to go, that's that's really concerning. So it's on them to prove that worry to be unfounded, and I guess we'll see. Let me hit on a couple things that, that you said there. You go back to the expectations at 
at the start of the season. And of course, as we all remember, this team started five and one, the best start in franchise yep. history. And one of the stats that I was looking at as I was writing yesterday is, is now since that five and one start. So if you go back and lop it off at, I think, October 26th, this team is exactly 500. That, that is a 500 point percentage going back to two weeks into the season in a league where collecting exactly half the points is not good enough. Nope. And there's nine teams that have worse point percentages over that span, and I'm not going to list them all, but you'll see them on Sportsnet when the bingo balls get drawn, hoping that they get Connor Bedard. That's the company that they've been in since basically two weeks into the season. And so, yes, the frustration has absolutely continued to mount. They haven't met their own expectations, let alone lived up to the hype of lots of people thinking this could be a Stanley Cup contender this season. And so to jump forward to the next point you made, I think that's absolutely a concern. And I'll be paying really close attention tonight and tomorrow in Minnesota to see what this group does have left in them for fight. You know, I had a chat with Milan Lucic a, a few days ago and and I asked him, well, what what do you learn about a team in in a predicament like this? You yep. know, when when you're not where you want to be in the playoff race. And and he basically compared it to boxing and he said, well, you learn if if you're gonna fight back or if you're gonna keep taking it in the on the chin, sorry, and, until you throw in the towel. Well 19 games left is way too early for a team, especially a team that expected to be so much better to be throwing in the towel. And so if that's what we see in these next couple of nights, that's going to be really concerning. I I don't think we will, but I traded text with a few people today, and I think that's exactly what everyone wants to know. Yep. What do we see? Because if you follow up Saturday with another dud tonight, that's a real, real cause for concern. Uh, let me read you a few texts before we uh, move on to kind of part two of the conversation. Um, this says, uh, I fell asleep shortly into the third. When I woke long after the game, uh, I went to see who actually won and just wasn't surprised at all that I saw 3 nothing. Uh, this says, Pat, there's no such thing as an easy schedule for this team. They are where they deserve to be, and hopefully they free fall and lose the rest of the way for a good draft pick. Um, this says flames look like a team that isn't having fun at all. It's very hard playing under a coach that doesn't let fun in and it's all business all the time. Sure. It's a business, but having coaches, um, having coached major junior and elsewhere, this is my take. Uh, that comes from Randy. Uh, this says this whole look yourself in the mirror thing gets brought up every couple years here. So is there something in the water? I don't know. Um, this says, um, from Brett, guys, at what point do we start looking at wins as not what this team needs as it'll only push them up in the draft spot? Is that after three more losses, five more? Just curious on your thoughts when a win will start hurting them versus helping them uh, getting into the playoffs. Uh, here's one from Jimmy. All of a sudden, Jimmy's on the text line. Uh, can you imagine $400 for four seats, popcorn, pop, ice cream? Uh, could be up to $2,000 for one night for one family. They should be embarrassed. Uh, this says, boys, I think it'd be a lot easier for them to get out of this slump if they were actually having fun. And I'm pretty sure Coach Sutter is making sure it's not much fun right now. Uh, this only one line showed up once again Saturday. It's clear 90% of the team felt like the season was already over and it showed. Um, this from Biff in location unknown. Flames will now go on a tear and win a bunch of games. So they're not in the Bedard lottery, but they'll miss the playoffs by a couple of wins. Sad that history will likely repeat itself once again. Big Mike says, uh, this is Jimmy Bobby. My expectations have not been met ever, especially on Saturday night. Brenda says, players need to be pissed off, as pissed off as the fans. Um, I'm just reading a smattering of them. Um, this says, Flames, please don't start winning now. Just pack it in and hopefully do better next season. This, boys, just get back in the playoff race. You owe it to the fans. Um a lot of good texts coming in. There, there are, and they're just they just keep on rolling through. Uh, Pete and Springbank says, "I feel like they've quit on the coach and each other." Um, Jeff says, "How much 
Uh, is it that Sutter's always negative? It has to take its toll. Every level of sport had to have some element or has to have some element of fun. Again, that's just a smattering of the text at 969.60. Read some more, a few, uh, read a few more a little bit later on. Let's, let's just read this one more. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm Hold curious. on. Hold on. You have access yeah. to the text line? Yeah, I, I do. Whoa. And I'm not sure how this happened. You want to talk about belief. It's back now. Wes finally has access to the text line. I, this is a really interesting question comes in from Sebastian who says, is it time the Flames name a captain? They need someone to hold everybody accountable in the dressing room. I don't know that I agree with that, but it's a really interesting question. It's been almost two full seasons now, and I don't know. I don't know if Michael Backlund or Chris Tanev all of a sudden standing up in the locker room and holding somebody accountable if it means more because they wear a C on their jersey or not. I, I honestly don't know. But, you know, I I, um, I definitely have been more dismissive of that in the past. Now I'm like, I don't know, maybe. Could very well be the case. I don't know anymore. Yeah, I, I think there's some validity to it in, in the sense of not so much that it would mean more coming from a guy because he has the C on his, his uniform, but I... I wonder if it's easier for the four of them, the four alternate captains, to kind of sit back, maybe waiting for one of the other guys to say it. That that, that would be the one thing that naming a captain would do is make it pretty clear where that has to come from. And yet, I think if they thought they had a no-brainer captain, it'd be done already. Yep. Did you pick up on one of the themes there on about seven or eight of the texts? Because it's one of the, the most fascinating things for me. And I still think you're talking about professionals, millionaires who get paid, you know, 0.1% money to play a game for a living. Radio money. Not quite. Close. I don't. I'm not putting them in my category. <laughs> uh, but we're we're talking about extremely well compensated human beings. Every single one of them yeah. to coach, play, administrate hockey, right? And so, as professionals, I think you owe it to yourself. I think you owe it to the people that fund your way of life and your your salaries and your living. To go out and and be professionals and and play like it's urgent and desperate and from now until the end of the season, but you get that sense that with the uphill climb being as daunting as it is, and the likelihood of them being in the playoffs, a and b, even if they got there doing anything once they're there, there's a lot of people who are like, you know what, maybe for the good of the team and the future of the team, them rattling off wins in six of eight, putting themselves close only to miss isn't the way that they should go. There's a lot of people. I know it because I see it on the text line. I hear it on the post-game calls. I see it on Twitter. Start putting young players in. Start to maybe change the philosophy a little bit, and maybe it's better to lose more than win down the stretch because it gets you a better shot. Look, they're not getting Connor Bedard. The, the likelihood of that is very little. Well, let's explain but how that. Maybe, maybe you could. Let's explain how that works really quickly because the lottery has changed. And I can't believe with the expectations. I know. That this group had that we're talking about the draft lottery on March 6th. But you need to be in the bottom 10 in the overall standings now to even have a chance. It used to be. If you missed the playoffs, you did have a chance at the number one overall pick. That's not the case anymore. So if you are looking at those now you standings, can move up ten, right? You can move up ten. Yeah. So you need to be in the bottom ten to have a shot at yeah. it. The Flames, as of today, are in the bottom eleven. So not totally far fetched. I know there's people cheering for it, and then to you know piggyback on the point you just raised about like okay it's one thing for fans to say we want Bedard or we want the highest pick possible I get it I absolutely understand it we better not see the players check out you you raise the point yourself and it's not all about money but these these are well compensated professional athletes Nazem Kadri is going to make 1.7 million dollars for the rest of the season Roughly. I'm just doing the math in my head, right? Yep. Andrew Mangiapane is going to make 
$1.4 million before the regular season is over. Nikita Zadorov is going to make almost a million dollars playing these last 19 games. So we better not see those tents folded. Right. Because that would be unacceptable. If you want to watch from home and root for the other team to win the last 19 games, by all means. But you can't, if you're in the Calgary Flames locker room, it better not be white flag time. What was your, uh, what was your guesstimate on Kadri the rest of the year? Did I say one one seven? Pretty close. One six two. Not bad. Overestimating. I would have uh I would have probably been in like, oh yeah, he's gonna pay uh seven seven point six million the rest of the year. No idiot. <laughs> That's actually more than he gets paid for the whole year. I just I'm so used to this conversation having done this job and, and having taken calls and read texts for the last decade plus. You know, you have the years where they make the playoffs and exciting. It's exciting. And then you have the years like this where they're kind of in the 10 spot in the West and the conversation begins in March about whether or not it's better to lose games versus win games. And the fact that you're having that conversation is the dead ringer that you're having a brutal season based on expectations and it, it's, I think it's a fair, as a fan, I don't think that makes you any less of a fan if you're like, man, I'd really like to, I don't think they're going to make it. I'd really like to see them draft higher in one of the best drafts in decades. Like that, that would be good for the team. And yet there's only certain ways to affect that. Part of that would be you can make some changes with your roster and bring in some younger players and, and go that direction with 19 games to go. I think it's a little premature to be doing that. Just from a, a, a straight-up competitive balance standpoint, I think it's a little premature to be doing that. But I don't think we're that far away. Like, if all of a sudden they fall double digits out of the playoffs, I think you have to, if you're Brad True Living, almost start to force the coach's hand and, and make a couple of moves and, and go down that road. So maybe you do change the paradigm a little bit. I don't know. It's Yeah, and you know I can't what? believe that we're even having this conversation. Well, and, and we should not to put it off but but let's have a longer conversation about this in one of the segments coming up because i i i certainly have some thoughts on the injection of youth and whether it might be better to have them involved in in what is a really furious playoff race in the american hockey league i i'm not sure that aside from you know a couple game sort of reward for for some of these young guys, especially if if we see the milk starting to sour, I'm not sure you want to throw a bunch of young guys yeah. in, in this situation. But I I can see the case for it. I just, you know, listen, Con- let's use Connor's area as an example. He's had a really strong year in the American Hockey League. I believe he's second on the Wranglers in points. I don't have it in front of me right now. Would you like to give him a taste of the NHL so he knows what it's like there? Sure, but Connor Zary is also the first line center or the maybe most important center, wh- whether he's playing on that first line or not, for the Calgary Wranglers. And they're a team that is fighting tooth and nail for top spot in the Pacific Division in the AHL, which comes with a first-round playoff buy. Yeah. They're a team that expects to be going on a deep playoff run this spring. I'm fine with leaving the young guys there. I get that you want to see what they are, but I don't think you should expect to see eight Calgary Wranglers in the Flames lineup down the stretch. I don't think it makes sense. It doesn't make sense for the Flames. Other than figuring out maybe what you have in some cases. And it certainly doesn't make sense to rob a bunch of guys from your minor league lineup when they're playing meaningful hockey games. Just, I'm getting flashbacks of Bryce Van Bratton. Was that his name? Um, but no, Bryce Van Brabant. Yes. Um, or Ben Hanowski, Kenny Agostino. Like th- these are not, these are not fun flashbacks that you're having. We right could now. go on. You know, Matt Coronado is a different story. That'll yeah. be exciting. If when, and I think Max Reinhardt, ugh. Mark Kandari, Mark Kandari, Carter Banks, Wolf, Morgan Klimchuk. Yeah. This is not this is not where you want to be. No. 
if you're the Calgary Flames. Let, let's dive in, and I know we're running out of time. Let's dive in on one more thing that, that yeah. has periodically come up on the text line, and that is the no fun under Daryl factor. And, and I think Daryl Sutter deserves his fair share of blame for, for what's happened with the Calgary Flames this season. You know, as, as I wrote today, if anything, you could say he hasn't had the answers. You know, he hasn't been able to turn this around. He hasn't had a lot of luck pulling this team out of some of the slumps that they've been in. You're not having fun in a five-game losing skid as you plummet out of the playoff race, no matter who your coach is. So to think that there would be someone different calling the shots and they'd all be having a blast out there right now, that's just not the case. Agreed. Although I do think there's some validity to, I think it can be, I think it can be difficult over a full season when things aren't going your way to like the relentless nature of Daryl. Absolutely. I, I can absolutely see it wearing on a group. Yeah. And, and I, I do think there's something to the just overall when you're winning, like they, they, they were last year that, that relentlessness and kind of dark cloud is easier to to block out. You tolerate it. It's harder to do in a situation like this. I, I will say that. Uh, I think anyway. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that's absolutely fair. Uh, coming up on Thursday, Flames Talk will be hanging out at the fifth annual Wing Off in support of our friends at Kids Sport, uh, and we need your help finding YYC Calgary's ultimate wing champion. So get ready for an evening filled with Calgary celebrities, all you can eat wings from Calgary's best pubs and restaurants, and uh, plenty of drinks to wash it all down as well. It's going on at Cowboys coming up on Thursday. That's March 9th. Get your tickets now at showpass.com and go search Cowboys wing off. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Rolling along on this Monday, it's time for our Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills, minutes from the Calgary Airport. My name is Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson of Post Media, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Monday Roundtable. Okay, so some new forward lines out of Dallas for Monday's game against the Stars. Uh, the Flames will um, juggle up three of their four lines. Uh, the Backland line remains together, Manjapani and Coleman with Backland. But uh, you've got Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli remaining together, but now Jacob Pelche on their left. Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberdeau remain together, but now Brett Ritchie, sorry, Nick Ritchie on their left. Nick will make his uh, Flames debut. It was bound got, to happen. Uh, I thought, I thought I could make it last a little bit longer than that, but nope. Uh, and then you've got Dylan Dubé moving to center with Milan Lucic on his left and Trevor Lewis on his right. Uh, gents, what do we make of uh, three brand-new line combinations for Monday in Dallas? Well, first of all, I would suggest that we start uh, a fine jar, $5 uh, for every time one of us calls Nick Ritchie. Okay, that's, a little, that's a little steep. We but, work in radio. No, no. Make it Hold a dollar. Make it a dollar. Hold on now. I was going to suggest that, but uh, I'll go broke because yeah, I'll probably okay. do it a bunch of times tonight and uh, maybe even beyond tonight. But when I saw the lines, uh, and thanks to Ryan Leslie for tweeting them out today, uh, I think he was the only one that did so. The, the first thing I looked for was to see if Nick Ritchie was in and uh, saw him in, was a little bit to surprised to see where he was being inserted. And that's on the left side of the line with Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberdeau. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised because in the third period of the game on Saturday, uh, Peter Labardius and I wondered aloud if uh, Daryl Sutter should switch up the line combinations because we both thought that the Kadri and Lindholm lines uh, had been looking a little bit stale. And then a little bit later on in the third period, he did switch up the combinations. But I thought if Nick Ritchie was going to get in, it would probably be on the fourth line playing with Trevor Lewis and one of Milan Lucic or... Uh, Walker Dewar. So then the second thing that jumped out to me was that Dewar was a healthy scratch, which maybe it shouldn't have surprised me, but it 
still kind of did because I actually think that uh, of all the forwards, he's been top five as far as energy, which has been an issue for this team in the last five periods they've played. So a little bit surprised and a little bit disappointed to see him coming out. But I think it's probably a case of uh, where a veteran like Milan Lucic gets a little bit longer leash than uh, a rookie like Walker Dewar. So uh, that would explain that. Uh, also surprised to see Dylan Dubé demoted from the left side of the first line. And again, maybe I shouldn't refer to any line but Michael Backlund's line as the first line because it's clearly been their best line since it's been reunited. But uh, any line with uh, your top two point producers uh, and uh, Elias Lindholm for me is still your first line. So you have Jacob Pelche on the left side of that line, which I'm looking forward to seeing uh, him with Elias Lindholm and Tyler Toffoli. But Dylan Dubé's having a career year. He's got 11 points in the last 11 games. He's got a career-high 38 points this season. Is on pace for 49. He's one goal away from equaling his career-high for goals in a season with 18, and he's on pace for 22. So a little surprised to see him go from the first line down to the fourth line. But uh, I guess the good news is the Flames are making some changes to the lines that they probably needed to make changes to. Just a little bit surprised what those changes are, guys. I think when you've lost five in a row and in your last two games, you've scored zero and one goal respectively. I, I certainly had the same initial reaction. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm surprised to see Dubé bumped down or, or some of those reactions, but it makes perfect sense for them to be in the blender today. This team has to do something to try and change the offensive results that they're getting. And, and, I'm curious, especially, I don't think Dylan Dubé necessarily deserved to lose his spot on the top line, but I'm really fascinated by how Jacob Pelche looks in that spot. Jacob Pelche's speed has been an asset for this team. He's been good on the forecheck. He plays a responsible game, especially for a young guy. I think his positivity has helped in the locker room and on the bench. I think, although you certainly wouldn't have known it Saturday, he's helped bring some energy. And so I'm curious to see what that looks like. I think we're probably talking eventually about Dylan Dubé back in that spot. And yet, you know, you could kind of make a case to leave a bunch of these lines together. Well, Dubé has been fine on that top line and Pelche starting to develop some chemistry with Huberto and you should leave the backland line together, which they yeah. have you got to make some changes based on the way things are going. And so I'm, I'm not sure that they're my preferred combinations, but I'm curious to see how it looks tonight. Yeah. I mean, I, they have to do something. You can't just, after what we saw on Saturday to like, that was as pitiful a performance as I can remember from this group. And they have had some absolute burgers this year. Like that, the, the Columbus game in Columbus, the Chicago loss at the dome. Like there have been some ugly, ugly games that flames fans have had to sit through this year. But Minnesota was like, it's been years since I can remember a night quite like that at the Scotiabank saddle dome. And Willsie to start the hour, we played your final call. We only played about 11 seconds of it and then cut it off because you could just, you could, the, the boos were permeating. You could barely even hear you. Uh, they, they got so loud as, as you were wrapping things up. So you had to do something. You can't just go status quo after that. And does Dewar deserve to come out? No, probably not. I, I would have kept them in. Um, and I think you could have made a, an argument that, you know, Milan Lucic's game has fallen off here significantly over the last little bit. So maybe uh, uh, another reset for him could be the way to go. Um, but you had to change something up. And getting Richie in, you get a little bit of infusion, a guy who should be fighting for his NHL life right now. So maybe that can give you a little bit of spark. I mean, the line changes like something had to happen, and there's only so much you can do. Uh, so I generally agree with what they're doing. Um, but yeah, I don't know if Dewar probably should have stayed in would be the only thing that I would say. Well, and for me, I mean, demoting Dubé to, or maybe I shouldn't use the word demoting, uh, moving. moving Dubé to another line would have made more sense than moving him from the left side of the first line to the middle of the fourth line for me. But Daryl Sutter knows more about this game than I'll ever know. So we'll see how they look tonight. Uh, for me, I probably would have tried swapping Lindholm and Kadri. I really like the chemistry that Peltier and Huberto were starting to build together. The other thing I'd like to see is maybe Huberto back on the left 
on his strong side and, and not on his weak side on the right. Maybe that helps get him going. I don't know, guys. Uh, I guess desperate times call for desperate measures, and uh, that's where the Flames are at right now. So we'll see how they look tonight. I'm not going to put words in anyone else's mouth, but I'm willing to call Dylan Dubé on the fourth line a demotion. That, that yeah. is certainly, you know, and you're going to see it in his ice time tonight. And, and to the point that, because I agree with both of you on, on Walker Dewar, I'm sure that this is probably come with a challenge to Milan Lucic that he's the next one to come out of the lineup if if we don't see a lot more out of him. You know, I I, I thought there were things not necessarily just dropping the gloves, although that might have been one of them. There were things that Milan Lucic could have done to inject some life into that hockey game on Saturday night, yes. and he didn't. And that's why he's in the lineup. At this point in his career, he's not going to bury a lot of goals, and so you're in there to provide that spark. Now, I didn't think Walker Dewar had a ton of energy on Saturday either, which puts him in the same category as 20 other Calgary Flames, but I'm sure Milan Lucic is, is sort of on on call now. He he knows that that can't be it. That yeah. There was not enough impact from him on Saturday and and I've got to think especially with the way Trevor Lewis impacts the penalty kill, he'd be the next guy out. Yeah, and guys, when the Flames acquired Nick Ritchie, the first thing that crossed my mind was well, Milan Lucic is in the last year of his contract, and he probably won't be back next year. If he comes back, it's going to be a big pay cut for him. There's no doubt about that. I think it's going to be a big pay cut regardless of where he goes. But if he's not back, I thought, okay, well, maybe Nick Ritchie is a guy you could slide into that spot. He's uh, got lots of size. He's got some skill for a big guy, former 10th overall pick. And maybe you, you have size in your fourth line, but you add some more skill there as well. And he hasn't had a bad year. He's actually got uh, 10 power play points this season. So I do wonder if we might see him on one of the Flames' power play units tonight. Wait and see on that front as well. Daily Flames Roundtable, Derek and Wes and Pat with you. Uh, so Nick Ritchie will make his debut. It'll be game two for Troy Stetcher, who debuted Saturday against Minnesota. Uh, what do we make of just under 15 minutes of Troy Stetcher against the Wild, guys? Thought he was pretty good. Uh, kind of came as advertised. Uh, he's a good skater. Uh, he's undersized, as you told me when we chatted this morning. He's not small. He's 5'10", 184, but he's also not big. But he doesn't play small. He plays pretty big. And that was the one thing that really jumped out at me Saturday night. And maybe it, it stuck out like a sore thumb because I didn't like the compete level of a lot of the Flames, but I liked his compete level. You know, even uh, when he got caught up ice, he would hustle back and uh, he would get involved physically to, to try to win some puck battles. So I thought uh, all in all, it was a good game for Troy Stetcher. Didn't have a point, but I mean, he's got seven points in 62 games this season. That's not his MO, but had a shot, had a couple of hits, had a couple of penalty minutes and played 15 minutes and 32 seconds. And hey, if you can get 15, 16 minutes from a guy in your third defense pairing, that's a win for me. Yeah, I think fine's a good word for it. I, I think that was a really difficult game for anyone to stick out as an individual. I, I think, you know, having come from the scenario he came from, which was, by all accounts, it sounds like he wasn't anticipating a trade on deadline day. Suddenly, he's rushing to the rink to get his stuff. He's scrambling to pack a suitcase. He's catching a flight to Calgary. All that considered, and then to play what I thought was a really serviceable game on, on Saturday night, I, I think you'll take it. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought that uh, he comp competed hard, was willing to, uh, was willing. He got belted, I think, twice in the first 20 minutes or so of that game. You're like, holy. Uh, and and it was they, they were not uh, fun hits to watch. But that shows a guy who's willing to go into areas and, and take a hit to try to make a play. I thought, he, I thought he struggled with some of the reads. I thought there were some defensive miscues. I thought he found himself chasing. But as Kale McLean told us postgame on, on Saturday, Derek, you know, you almost can't evaluate a guy in his first yeah. game learning. So I, I really, I'm not all that critical about some yips and some mistakes and that type of stuff. It's almost expected in your first game. But the thing that I really liked, he can play with pace. He can skate. He's confident in skating the puck out of trouble. And, and he competed. So those are the things that I liked. And, and you can give it some time for some 
familiarity in terms of where you're supposed to be and who you're playing with. And look, and this is not trying to drive by, but like Nikita Zadorov's game has got to pick it up too. And that can't be easy when he was all over the place on Saturday as well to jump in in your first game and have Nikita all Lou always uses that term Nikita's world. And he was right smack dab in the middle of it on Saturday. <laughs> so, you know, you, your, your partner's freelancing all over the place and it's your first game. So I think that also played a little yeah. bit of a part into it too. It's been such a strange season for Nikita Zadorov. I thought he was playing at a top four level before the break. Absolutely. Not since the nine-day break. Yeah, he's been all over the place. And with him, I think he's just trying to do too much, guys. He hates to lose. There's no doubt about it. I can't remember if it was after Thursday's game or after Saturday's game that we heard from him, but you could hear it in his voice, and you could certainly hear it with his words. He was absolutely devastated with uh, what happened in that game and what's been happening with the Flames for a good chunk of the season. So it's not like he doesn't care. He probably cares too much, if that makes any sense. And yeah, hopefully Troy Stetcher is a veteran guy in this league can kind of help settle Nikita Zadorov down a little bit. Listen, the Flames are going to need a lot of guy, a lot more from a lot of guys moving forward here. And uh, the, the thing is, you want to see a response tonight from what we saw on Saturday night. But then again, I wanted to see a response on Saturday night from what we saw in the final 20 or 40 minutes on Thursday night, and we didn't. So uh, I do wonder if there has been a hangover from what happened in that Bruins game last Tuesday night. Uh, and if, you know, they, they found a way to get off to a pretty good start in the game against the Maple Leafs. But this is a team that has scored one goal in the last two games and hasn't scored a goal in 117 minutes and 28 seconds and just didn't play a desperate brand of hockey on Saturday. And I would say even in the final 20 minutes on Thursday. So let's uh, see if we see some desperation from them tonight. They're probably going to need it against the Stars team that's rolling with uh, three-game winning and five-game point streak. So we'll see if the Flames can uh, snap their five-game losing streak and pick up two points and make things uh, at least a little bit more interesting here. Yeah, there's no hangover from their last win. No matter how hard <laughs> you go, they don't last that long. Yeah. So it's... Uh, it's time to get back on the other side of it. You know, we we heard the right things from Nikita Zadorov and, and from Rasmus Anderson and, and from Tyler Toffoli and so on after Saturday's game. It's time to show something. Yeah. And look, we all believe that it is a super uphill climb to make the postseason. It's probably not going to happen. If crazier things happen, sure. And we'd all like it to happen because it makes all of our jobs easier and more fun. And obviously it's more fun for you listening. A show called Flames Talk is, is better when the team's not bad. Uh, <laughs> but we all get it. But you still have you still have to go out and and show something. And what we saw on Saturday can't happen again because you still are beholden to season ticket holders and fans who buy your jerseys and and who pay for the cable packages and who pay for the game packs. People are spending their income on watching you. You owe it. You owe it to them to be, especially on home ice. Yeah, but yeah. period, you cannot have that happen again. That has got to be the number one motivator in the final nineteen games. That has got to be rock bottom. Whatever happens in the standings and wherever, like whatever activity they're doing in mid-April, whether it's hockey, golf, or otherwise, you, you owe it to your fans to not let that happen again. Well, Wes, I was saying this to Pat and Peter on our post-game show on Saturday night. I wonder if Saturday night was rock bottom. For this team and if they can maybe Better shift be. their focus to we have to win this game and we have to get to the playoffs because i think they were putting a lot of pressure on themselves and maybe now they can just take a deep breath and say well you know it's going to be tough guys let's try to play the role of spoiler uh take a little bit of pressure off themselves get a win start with a win and then go from there i'm not saying they can't get back into the playoff race but you know they know it's going to be difficult to do that. Sure. I'm going to leave you on a positive. So uh, I'm glass half full guy. You guys know that. Normally, I don't have a tough time coming up with uh, optimistic things to say, positive things to say, but it's been difficult of late. But I'll leave you with this. So the last time these two teams played was a crazy contest. The Flames had a 6-1 lead with less than a minute left in the second period and had to hold on for a 6-5 win. Even a win like that wasn't easy for this team, which I think uh, has been, in a lot of ways, their season in a nutshell. But in that game... So for a team that hasn't scored a goal in 117 minutes and 28 seconds, six different guys scored goals, 12 different guys had at least a point, five different guys had two points, 
And they do have a five-game point streak versus the Stars. They're 4-0-1 in their last five games against tonight's opponent. So let's see if they can snap their streak and uh, if some guys can go get going here. Thank you, Wilsey. Okay, see you soon. He's Derek Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg, and that's your Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. Steinberg, Wes, along with you as we start to wrap things up this hour on Flames Talk. And uh, look, I like to typically get at least one best bet in on Flames games, and, and I'm going to. I'm going to. I just tougher. It's getting tougher and tougher because I have no idea what to expect on any given night. But I do have a best bet for you on the Flames and Stars, and I got one other. It's time for your Flames Talk Best Bets, brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. Had a great week last week. Uh, we've been uh, we've been rolling pretty good since the All Star break. Four straight weeks of of well in the black. So we'll try to keep it going this week. Um, so here's my one for the Flames and Stars. Best bet for Calgary and Dallas. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over six goals in this one. Now I know they went six. I'm not expecting six five again, but I'm gonna go over six. I think a sparked Flames team. Um, everybody looks at it and says, maybe I, I'm going to go over six because I think like a, a five, two final score either way seems to, seems to pop out at me on this one. I don't really have a great feel as to why I'm going over. I'm just, it's set low. And when I see six, I usually go over. So I'm going to go over six goals on the total. My other is Brady Kachuk of the Senators. I'm going to go over three and a half shots uh, as the Senators take on Chicago Sens, playing some desperate hockey. Brady Kachuk has been really good, and Chicago bleeds shots uh, as one of the worst teams in the NHL, and they're just getting worse. So over three and a half shots for Brady Kachuk and uh, over six goals on the total for the Flames and Stars. That is a great bet. On Brady Kachuk, and I'll leave it at that. Thank you. <laughs> Funny, what, what did you? What did I, you missed? One of the other ones. Do you have an opinion? You know what? Instead, I, shouldn't we just, go to break? Yeah, I think so. Uh, that'll wrap us up this hour. Thanks to Cam and Taylor, our producers. He's Wes on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg, and those are your Flames Talk best bets. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag Make a Play. Free play only. Eighteen plus. Play responsibly.